What's going on, everyone? Uh, welcome to another episode of the Daily Freight Caviar Podcast. Today, we have Andrew Subko, the founder and CEO at CDL 1000. Uh, Andrew, thanks for joining us. If you could give us a short introduction. Sure. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, yeah. So very briefly, I'm the CEO of CDL 1000. Um, we are a freight brokerage company specialized heavily in dredge. We kind of build our company based on dredge and then expand it slowly into truckload division. Um have customers from Walmart, Target, Home Depot, Office Depot, Department of Defense of the United States, Cisco, and many, many others, kind of heavily focusing on Fortune 50 customers. Um, at this moment, approximately about 250 employees, which we had from 250, we had about 50 employees in Ukraine between three of our offices. And uh, yeah, position ourselves as a logistics technology company, trying to kind of digitalize the trade field and, and how we sell and how we think about selling freight to carriers. And uh, yeah, that's very brief overview. Sure. Uh, what, what year did you start it, the company at? So this company was started, it was end of 2018. So 2018. Okay. So you've so seen massive 20, growth quickly. Yes. So we've been tripling our size year after year. Okay. How like to, to start a company and grow such a massive rate so quickly, did you have just a lot of capital or was it, uh, how, how did, how did that happen that you just you tripled year over year? So prior to that, you know, I owned a trucking company and I was involved heavily, like, you know, IMC type of, uh, you know, business structure, like intermodal marketing company. And, um, back approximately in 2015, 2016, I discovered dredge, which I was blown away personally, how inefficient it is. And I kind of like, I had a very clear understanding how truckload, how truckload brokerage works, customer base, you know, margin wise. And when I discovered Dredge, I was like, wow, what is this? It's such an inefficient, you know, you're getting paid for the wrong trips and you actually can, you know, match import and exports to containers and it's called street turns and you can make double amounts of money and <laughs> imagine you can kind of digitalize this and, you know, you can actually automate how you actually match those containers and you can make a good money and you can build like, you know, the company based on it, based on those basic concepts. And, um, Always since day one, uh, like when we started CD1000, we had a very clear goal and vision. And we always tried to build a company around technology. Like what can we do for our customers? How can we create value for our customers with technology? You know, some companies like different creating different data companies, AI and everything else. We, you know, been strategizing and thinking, what can we do to simplify our customers' life? And at the beginning, we started with um, digital calculators. You know, we call it like immediate you know, pricing tools where you can go on the website and reserve either, you know, drive-in truck or dredge truck, you know, through this technology in seconds. And that was- On your website? Of, yeah, on our website. Okay. And I would say that was one of our biggest, you know, successes early on. We were able to onboard some of the biggest Fortune 50 customers because of this simple tool. And again, we were just trying to simplify and deliver consistent pricing to the industry. Because very often, you know, I spend a lot of time selling and talking to big customers and they all keep coming back and asking like, why your dispatcher gave it this price and other dispatcher gave us a different price. And it's like, yeah. you know, there's no logic behind this, honestly. It's just, you know, one dispatcher, he feels like he can get more money and other guys mm-hmm. thinks he can get totally. this more money. So we just kind of decided to kind of decentralize and have it like stable pricing model. And that's how we did it. That's how we started. Um, over time, we built kind of like real time, real time tracking platform. You know, everybody's talking about it. People using different kind of 
tools from Project 44 and others. But back in 2018, 2019, you know, people just kind of started discussing about this. We decided to build our own platform. And we built it. We tried to make it as simple as possible. We are not pushing our customers to download any apps because it's a B2B business. You know, we're dealing with somebody on the Walmart side who's sitting in front of his computer. And you have to make it as simple and as easy as possible for him to use. So build a system. It's connected to drivers through either ELDs or driver's apps. Uh, on the customer side, it's actually, they just receive simple email. There's a load number in it. And they can either click and track this order now, and they can see where the driver's at. Sure. And just always thinking about simplifying customers' life. And kind of over time, we, you know, we constantly keep building technologies. You know, we currently have about, you know, on the software development side, about 30 people. And we keep hiring. Now we have a big AI team here in Chicago, um, constantly trying to think how can we utilize AI machine learning. Uh, okay. Competing with some of my truckload brokerage competitors, I would say, being in the same business every day. And we just, you know, sometimes just if you're a little bit more efficient, uh, you can win more business. And uh, that's a simple concept. Yeah. So, uh, Andrew, that's really fascinating, uh, especially the technology background. Um, so you you must hire a lot of programmers, which also is a large overhead, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, we do have we do have a lot of people on the software development side. Now we're kind of heavily focusing. We bring in a lot of talented people on the product side okay. from some our famous, I would say, digital competitors, digital brokerage competitors. Okay. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the strategy. Okay. So like in a way you're almost, you, you behave like a tech company that's in logistics, but you're not, you're not venture capital backed because most of these tech companies, when you look at them, they bring on a lot of capital, venture capital, they reinvest it. You, you're the private owner of CDL 1000. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. I'm a major shareholder. Correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, With outside investors at this moment. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's amazing. Um, can you tell us like how, like what were like the biggest challenges that you faced when you first opened your, your company in late 2018 to like now and how, how did you overcome those challenges? Of course. I mean, as everybody, you know, we have, you have milling different obstacles coming your way. Yeah, totally. And when we started, we actually, we were fortunate enough. We opened a new facility in Lyons, Illinois, which is a massive kind of office building, 24,000 square foot building. We fully remodeled it and we started with about, I don't know, five, six people. It was like an empty office space, beautiful, like an open, like a, like a trading floor. And like part like looks similar to like New York Stock Exchange does. Yeah. And we have about six people and, you know, we had different obstacles and we just kind of slowly, we had the big vision from day one. We were very clear where we're going. We knew that we're going to scale to some substantial numbers. But as I mentioned, many different obstacles, specifically when you start in the dredge, it's, I would say it's the most complicated piece of supply chain. Now, truckload, it's like easy to move from A to B. When you touch dredge, uh, it's pretty complex. You deal with chassis, ports, yards, cranes, accessorial chargers. So typically you have like five, six different moves like in just one trip on one load. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty complicated. But we took the challenge and, you know, we made millions of mistakes, like millions of mistakes in the dredge. We had no idea what we were doing, but that's how we learned. And now as a company, we built very successful infrastructure. So we're able to take on those massive projects for, for the largest retailers in the country, for the Department of Defense, and many, many other 
big corporations. Sure. But you said, Andrew, that you had six employees and 24,000 square feet of uh, office yeah. space. Yeah. Why, why did you do that? Why did you get, did you just have the idea of growing it massively, like quickly? We, yeah, we, we had this idea and it was just like the right opportunity to get the right building. And uh, okay. we bought the building and we had this big vision, big ambition, I would say, where we were going. We had no idea, you know, where we're going to be, if we will be successful. But, you know, I always, you know, believe that if you create value for your customers, simple as it sounds, you will be successful. And and I would say we found a niche in the business and we believe that we can deliver value to our clients. And that was a simple vision we started. And yeah, it was empty building. Now it's overpacked. There's no space. There's no parking. Okay. Building being packed for the past, I would say, year and a half. It's okay. overpacked, overstaffed. Um, now we have a big downtown Chicago office. We have a big office in Jacksonville, Florida. Our oh, Jacksonville, wow. Florida is also about 10,000 square feet. We have three offices in Ukraine. So, and small office for, in Colombia. For like what it's worth, I think if you compare CDL 1000 to like a lot of other logistics companies, you don't hear a lot about CDL 1000. Like you're, you're kind of like quiet. Uh, you're making a huge impact, but you're not like being loud about it. Right. Um, yeah. So, so recently we were going through massive rebrand. So we, you know, our PR firm and marketing firm highly advised us to be quiet for the past seven to eight months. Oh, okay. Um, we're going, we still go with, we very soon we'll start announcing some other new kind of like branding guidelines. Um, over time, we actually getting ready. You know, we're working on a couple of big acquisitions, and you know, which will triple our size. Essentially, we do like a full kind of rebrand and rename of the corporation with okay. a simple based around like dredge and the project based shipments. Sure, sure, it's amazing, um, Andrew. This might be somewhat of a private question um, in terms of the business that you might not want to answer. If you don't want to answer, just let me know. But how much capital did you begin with when you like, when you started CDL 1000? We haven't had much. It's like, very small. I honestly don't remember what was a small number, but you know, we had a good banking relationship with good banks. Okay. okay. And uh, that was tremendously helpful to us. Sure. And uh, that's how we got started. We always, cause we were not venture backed. We always had to make profit. Yeah. When you solve, as I mentioned, like a big trade, complicated, you know, you come up with complicated solutions to big problems for biggest retailers, they will pay for solutions. And we build a brand, I know, we internally call it like a FEMA of drayage. And uh, okay. we're the biggest customers, they're using some other big kind of famous providers in the drayage industry. And every time they, you know, screw up things, they come to us for solutions, for immediate solutions. Very often, sure. the biggest retailer in the country um, they use different providers and then they screw up and they come to us. Hey guys, we need you to deliver hundred containers overnight from yeah. Los Angeles port to a city outside of LA port. Can you do it? Always. Yes. When typically they go to other dredge providers and it's usually you have to reserve power like two, three weeks in advance. We have solutions sure. for the past two years. We always had solutions. And that's how we build the brand from providing solutions. So I'm guessing, uh, since you have this tool that helps a lot of customers they come to you a lot of a lot of the big retailers come to you sort of software and then you also provide them logistic services on drive-in and uh intermodal reefer like you get them to sign up for your platform drainage platform and then is that is that how you get most of your customers yeah i would say i would say most of the clients came through drainage you know we solve in our overall vision if you if you solve the biggest the most complicated 
problems in the supply chain, everything else will follow. So we see this happening all the time. Big retailer coming to us. They give us some unrealistic project. We solve it. Uh, we built, you know, we built our kind of creditability this way with them. And over time, we scale to truckload. We get flatbed business. We get driving business. We get the refrigerator business. Okay. And we have many of those case studies. Okay. Uh, it's very interesting. It's, it's it's different than a lot of approaches in the industry, at least from, from like the freight brokerages in Chicago that are very just uh, old school phone, you know, email heavy. Uh, it's, it's exciting to see someone else in Chicago participating and trying to, to make it more, uh, I don't know, easier, easier for the customers. Uh, Correct. But, okay. So uh, you have the freight brokerage and then you decided to outsource a portion of the employees to, to Kiev, Ukraine. Can you tell us more about the whole outsourcing operation? So all of, all of our employees in Ukraine, there are employees. It's not like an outsourced. Um, they work They're yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we currently have three offices in Ukraine. Um, you know, some people feel like they opened the offices in Ukraine earlier than we did, but it's not the true. You know, we opened the office in Lviv. Like I, I would say, like you know, I had relationships with you know different people in the freight industry since like the past ten years. Yeah. Uh, so we opened off Lviv. It was back in 2018. Um, we expanded the Lviv office, then we expanded the team office, and approximately about also two and a half years ago, we opened an office in Kharkiv. Uh, so overall total between all of our Ukraine operation, we have about 15 employees at this moment. Okay. Uh, recently, since the beginning of the war, our office in Kharkiv, um, you know, as far as I know, has been destroyed. And wow. uh, yeah, so a lot of people moved out. Uh, a couple of our employees actually joined the war. And uh, okay. we have supporting them. Actually, one of them was barely injured. And good, wow. he's alive. All of them are supporting them as much as we can. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, over the country most of the women moved out of the after ukraine and they kind of based like all over the europe at this yeah. moment but yeah i mean so i i moved to ukraine in november 2017 and i was there till november 2020 exactly three years in ukraine and uh so i have like a lot of friends i have friends that ended up actually working at cdl 1000 um and uh, yeah, so most of the women left uh, Ukraine, and then most of the men stayed. Well, most like almost everyone besides the ones that had three kids or more stayed. Um, so, like, I mean, can you tell us? I guess before the war started, like, why did you choose to outsource Ukraine? What were like, what were the pros uh, and cons of of having a team out there? So it's kind of like you know, I'm originally from Ukraine, but it's been kind of quite a bit of challenge. Uh, you know, we were not sure if we can be successful, especially, you know, when you have like, you know, outside of your key corporation, if you can have the same values as mm-hmm. we have here in Chicago offices. So it's, we've been, we've been thinking about it for a while and, you know, we tested and we had some sort of track record, good track record in, with our office in Aviv. And um, slowly we decided to open office in Kharkiv. We, we hired a great team. We have a great manager. Uh, his name is Mike. Mike Davis, actually, he, that's his nickname. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we we tried it. We hired like 10 to 20 people, and they were extremely successful. Uh, hardworking people, extremely smart, highly educated. And yeah. so it's been kind of good track record. I mean, they had a good track record with us and a lot of success. And um, over time, we opened office in Kiev. 
and I'm, I'm not sure, but I think like overall we scale our team office approximately about you know 20 to 30 people, and um, and then the war happened, and uh, unfortunately, you know, this where it is. Yeah. So right now, um, are is the office open in Kiev, or are people working remotely? Uh, it's open. There some people came back, but most of the people just open remotely. Okay. So, so sure. Um, and how, how is uh, like CDL helped, uh, or how is it helping um, people in Ukraine at the, at the current moment? So, on our employee side, you know, through since the beginning of the war, unfortunately, our people were not able to work, and I do know that there's some other big corporations they have actual presence in Ukraine, and they were saying that they're supporting their employees, and I have friends that own like one of the biggest agency for one famous company here in the United States. <laughs> Of course. Hundreds of people. And even though the company made claims that they support people, that actually never happened. On our end, we, we've been supportive. Our people never got stopped getting their salaries paid, even though they were not able to operate and work. Some of the people, some of the men in a, a couple of our offices, because they had to join the war, we never stopped paying them their salaries. They were not working since the beginning of the war, and they still continue getting support from us. Uh, on the other end, on a personal level, you know, I've been fortunate enough, you know, supporting some uh, government, being able to connect a couple of ministers in Ukraine with all of the media in the United States. Um, I connected one of the ministers with ABC7, BC, Fox News. That was my personal kind of contribution. I was being like helping them person at some point. And um and many other ways we supported financially and we were actually trying to make a difference and make actual changes uh, outside of just providing some financial support. Sure. Um, okay. Uh, so Andrew, in terms of, let's, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to, uh, trying to think if there's anything else to, to pick up off of CDL 1000. Uh, are there any topics that are interesting to you that you'd want to like go over? Yeah, it's it just, you know, you know, we'd like to mention that, you know, which, what we're trying to accomplish and we truly believe that we kind of, we are going to change the industry and we do it on the trade side. We believe we can do the same on the truckload side and the whole concept. And I'm sure you have, you guys, you know, have a lot of followers that, you know, trucking companies and mm-hmm. I've been on the trucking side. And I do know for a fact that carriers are always looking for consistent project-based freight. And I'm not talking about only about RFPs because, you know, for the past two years, we all know that RFPs, they just don't work anymore. Because um, if, you know, for brokers specifically, because if if the prices go up, brokers just not honoring those RFPs anymore. Yeah. And if prices go down, brokers just make making killings without yeah. providing any sort of value. And customers mm-hmm. know about it. And, you know, we have some Fortune 50 clients that they understand this. And we came up with a whole different kind of concept where we trying to sell carriers consistent projects for weekly and bi-weekly basis. We're trying to become like a Costco freight where you go out to your shop for this week or for two weeks in advance. We're not talking about for the entire quarter or for like a year in advance. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the weekly and bi-weekly basis. And we found okay. tremendous success. Um, just sim- simple concept, how we think, how we sell. And just simple example Let's say in a tr- instead of you know giving like one carrier two loads for Monday and then calling them back on Tuesdays and telling them, oh, I have like two more loads for Thursday, same lane. We're trying to basically sell as one batch. Yeah. And we have a product which is called batch batch. We built a platform which is called batch freight, 
We're trying to scale it and um, we're trying to build a place where carriers can find consistent projects from five loads at the time to 100 loads at the time. Same lane for the same week or for two weeks in advance. That's smart. We do it on the drainage side, we do it on the truckload side. Okay. Hmm. So, Andrew, you, you seem like a very successful person. Uh, you do a lot. I'm wondering uh, if you could tell us, like, what does your day-to-day like schedule look like? What, what like motivates you uh, to get up, and like, what do you do throughout the day to maintain your energy levels and motivation? So, I'm very disciplined. I wake up at 4:30 a.m. I work okay. out at 4:45 a.m. for like seven years. Okay. I, not like I just started doing this for the past four weeks. Um, that's been my routine for a long time. Um, okay. At 6 a.m., I always do a TM meditation. It's I highly recommend everyone to do it. You know, our industry, you have a lot of stress. You have a lot of problems you have to deal with. You have to yeah. stay calm. And uh, so I highly recommend transcendental meditation. Okay. Um, I try doing it like twice a day, but I do it at least once a day. Okay. And uh, we start our days early. And, you know, our whole company culture is based on solutions. So always trying to think not about the problem that face we're facing today, but trying to always think about solutions. Okay. For our, for our carriers, for our employees. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been usually I'm, I'm slammed with work. I, I have meetings. I'm traveling a lot. I actually just came back last night, had a big meeting with a customer, and I'm heading again tonight, meeting another customer tomorrow on the West Coast. Okay. So, where, where were you yesterday? So I was yesterday in Boca Raton, was one famous Fortune 20 company, I would say. Okay. And, uh, Tomorrow we'll be with another Fortune 50 company in Los Angeles. Nice. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I was just in LA last week. Yeah. Travel a lot. I've been in LA last week too. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. So, so you, okay. So you still yeah. maintain a schedule even when you travel? You still wake up at 4.30 in the morning? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then... Out, but yeah, when I'm, when I'm at home, I'm always staying very disciplined. Okay. And so, like, how long do you usually work for? What, like, are you on your phone all day, or it's not just you... the phone? But yeah, we constantly. I think you know, I'm putting like at least hundred hours a week. Hundred hours a week. Yeah, at, at okay. least. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and you're yeah. mostly focused on uh, figuring out solutions to all the problems that. Which is, yeah, my personal dedication. Yeah, around you know, I'm focusing on tech. You know, how can we digitalize and simplify again customers' life? Mm-hmm. I'm focused on business development and. Um, big customers and uh, and constantly open and focusing on our MA strategy. Now, we do believe that in the next three years with some strategic acquisitions, we'll get to the point where we manage about 10% market share of drainage. Okay. And, uh, that's basically where we're going. And I'm spending a lot of time meeting big banks and been fortunate so- enough to be presented by Goldman Sachs and some other good banks, um, well-known mm-hmm. banks, I would say. Yeah. So, that's where I'm spending most of my time on. So when, when you do an M&A, um, like, are you borrowing money from the bank in order to acquire these companies? How, how does that work? Well, given the whole secret sauce, we use quite a bit of leverage, I would say, yes. Okay. We, okay. We work with funds, not typical banks. We usually work with different sorts of funds. Yeah. yeah. Private equity? Strategy, we use some quite a bit of leverage for our strategic acquisitions, only strategic acquisitions, I would say. Okay, got it. It's fascinating. I'd love to learn more about that, maybe on a different conversation. But uh, sure. uh, 
yeah, cool. We'll be announcing two big acquisitions very soon. Okay. That's that's good to know. Um but yeah, so I guess we could to to wrap it up here, Andrew. Um could you give us three tips you would give this a uh, recent college grad? Work hard, create value, and understand leverage. Leverage. It's a keyword here. <laughs> leverage, I mean the biggest breakthrough point, I'll give you a little bit, you know, background. Um, for me, understand the leverage, it took quite a bit of time. And I started my first company, was pretty young. I'm still young, but I was very young. And uh, and I've just been always thinking about, you know, understanding the leverage. And I'm not talking only about, you know, borrowing from the banks. It's not the case. But in many cases, you know, instead of, let's say, buying hundred trucks, you can use hundred owner operators. That's kind of like understand leverage. So instead of, you know, delivering, you know, you can just use, you know, with other people resources, I would say, to be sure. successful. And that my personal understanding of leverage. So instead of using stairs, you use elevator. And yeah, and I'm a big believer in asset light business model. I, would, I have to finish with that. I'm a big believer in asset light. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that too. And like what I, where I'm at right now, because free caviar is my full-time job. And I work with, uh, I've, my customers or my clients are, mostly freight tech companies that pay me for like marketing and sponsorship. But lately I've been getting into more like working with consulting companies and agencies that just provide me business through them. Uh, cause they have clients. And so like, it makes my life easier cause I don't have to do any actual sales. Well, I don't want to do like the, the outbound sales. I just go to these companies and they give me work. So it makes my life easier and I get more work. I can make more money that way as well. So, yeah, so. that's, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, well, Andrew, thank you so much for taking your time today. Um, I hope that we could continue the conversation because I think you, you're you a very interesting person and uh, I hope we could get Bogdan because Bogdan owns a trucking company and sure. I, he definitely has some good uh, questions for you from from like the dispatching trucking side uh, of operations and he has a huge uh, influence on the, the industry with his following. So uh, hopefully we could do a part two. I would love to. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Andrew. And right. Thanks a lot. Talk soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.